I am honored to be here. Uh, give you a little bit. Of, I, I see lots of familiar faces, and then I see some faces that uh, I don't know. Uh, I have been introduced to faces that were uh, not born yet when I was here, and uh, have been introduced to people who were little folks when I was here. Uh, so I'll give you just a just a little quick um, background. Uh, first of all, I'll just explain to you that each one of these pages for me is um, about. 15 minutes and I have five. So get real comfortable because we're going to be here for a little bit. No, that's not true. Um, I'll, I will be brief. I promise in a couple, three weeks, the guy that comes won't be brief. So this will make up the two will cost average because Robin's going to come down and Robin's not brief ever. So, uh, anyway, background. So this baptistry had to be repainted. I can see because I was baptized there and it was really, really dirty when I got baptized, um, because I was loaded with sin. My wife was baptized there. Uh, Let's see, mom, dad, both of our kids, uh, both of my brothers. Um, I, was, <clears throat> I was not going to get choked up. Um, we crucified Tim Humphrey right here one time, uh, put him on a cross. Um, and I remember as the kids filed by, they were all sitting right here. When I got in preaching, they filed by and they were supposed to take their little cards that they'd written their sins on and lay them at the foot of the cross. One student did not do that. I wish she were here because it would be so funny. As Katie Steen walked by, Katie looked up at Tim and Tim Granddadder, and it kind of kind of messed the moment up a little bit. But man, there's so much about Ninth Street Christian Church that just resonates with me. Uh, I came here as a junior high student. Uh, you know, was tore stuff up, and Anime Dukeman tried to straighten me out, failed. Um, but came through the youth ministry here, um, when the service, we were gone for a while, we moved back. And then as a young married people, which we were young then, uh, Don Steen made us memorize the whole, all four gospels back here on the timeline. Uh, I took on a role as the part-time youth minister for a while and kind of messed more stuff up and, and uh, was a camp manager. And, and Mike White and I worked a lot of hours out at the camp, doing camp stuff out at Camp McCombie. And then I was commissioned, I'm going to call it, ordained here to, uh, to go into full-time ministry. So I did that. I did about nine years worth of youth ministry. And I, Tyler, I'm going to tell you, you might right now think that you're in it for the long haul. You're going to do it forever. And that will not be the way it goes down, I almost promise you. Because at some point, you're getting too old to do youth ministry. So that's when I segued into the role that I'm in now where I manage staff and finances and do HR stuff that is at a desk and it's much quieter and more fitting for an old guy wearing a plaid shirt. Um, so, um, anyway, that's my background. And so when I got the invitation to come, I was really excited to come and share with you guys because it's not something, preaching's not a burning desire in my heart like it is for some guys. I do it if I have to. I guess I'm kind of capable. And, and so, uh, you know, it's just not a thing for me. So when I get the opportunity, sometimes it's, it's good to do it. Um, especially here and especially uh, during this series that you guys are doing about living out your faith. Um, that's a that's a big deal because living out your faith, it's more than it's more than walking into this building on Sunday mornings. It's more than taking communion or or singing songs. It's about who you actually are. And I, and I think I think history, you know, is important. Family history is important to me. Uh, I remember when we found out that we were going to have a son. That was a big deal to my dad, who was also baptized there, I think I said. Um, 
it was a big deal to dad because of the family name. I mean, that was a big deal. And it's a big deal to his generation. And then when he found out I was going to have a grandson, wish I'd have brought a picture. I have the cutest grandson in the whole world. Um, and so when he found that out, I think dad thought, I can just die now because the family name will live on. Live on. The history um, will live on. We've heard people talk that say, he got that from his dad or she's got her mother's nose. Family history is in everything we do. Genetic structure is something that God built into us to carry on who we are, how we are, how we go about things. This is designed for everything around us. And I think it's important to him. So then we look at what we have of God that's historical. We have the entire Old Testament that gives the history of humankind from the beginning and how it happened. And that history is so cool to me because, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history junkie. Teresa would tell you I like watching the History Channel. I, I watch a lot of, of programs about history. But no matter what, when you watch a program or you read a book, history is always slanted just a fuzz by the writer. With the exception of the Bible. If you were going to write a book about the history of your faith, would you include... Thieves, liars, men that cheated on their wives, women that cheated on their husbands. Go down the list in the Old Testament and think about all of those people. Those are the people that God chose for us to carry the faith, no matter how broken, no matter how bad. I love when someone says to me, I could never go to church, it would cave in. Oh, no, it wouldn't. I've been there too many times. It's not caved in. All of these people in the Old Testament that we see, we look at all these people and go, good night. I'm not, I mean, I hate to compare, but you know, I'm not as bad as, as that guy. Or I'm not as bad as that gal. But God has given us this history. And then we have the New Testament. The history of the church. And history is so important. If we go back to the Israelites, because they disobeyed God, because they were dumb, they were wrong. They had to wander around the Middle East packing this box that contained a couple of big rocks that had the Ten Commandments printed on them. Some manna that didn't rot. I imagine it didn't rot. They may have been carrying around rotten manna. I don't know. But some manna and Aaron's, Aaron's rod. They packed that stuff with them everywhere they went. It was so important to God, He made them carry it with them. And the New Testament, how does it start out? With something that don't start reading it in the middle of the night. Or if you're in the least bit sleepy. Because you spend half of the, or more of the first chapter learning the genealogy. of, And, you know, go back, King James, who begat who and all that stuff. But that stuff's important to God. So I'm going to over-spiritualize who I am and say it's important to me too. Um, when we hear and see things on TV that are, I'm going to say spiritual, that are supposed to be scriptural, we look at those kinds of things and then we make comparisons. We make comparisons to, wait, I know how that goes down in the Word of God, and that's not how Hollywood betrays it. 
They don't have the history. They don't have the memory. They don't have the knowledge of the Word that we have. All of these little things that we use to remember the history. We just took a little, pla- a little packet with bread and juice. That's a 2,000-year-old piece that God gave us to remember the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. All of this history. As I think about my life and the history of my life in 55 years, I'll say this. I have never experienced a better time, a more fruitful opportunity than what the church has today. I want you to think about the world around us. I want you to think about COVID-19. It doesn't make any difference what you think about it. I want you to think about what that has brought to our culture. I want you to think about all of the goings on in our culture that have caused all the unrest, the political division that we are experiencing right now. The land of the free and the home of the brave has nothing stable. Nothing. With one exception. The message of the cross. Rock solid. Every day, all day. So here we are, the church. We're given the opportunity to communicate, to live peace and stability, grace and hope to the people who are around us. It's never been better in my lifetime. Never. People are watching the church. Michael said it as he prayed. Today, this afternoon, this week, as we move through our lives, people are watching what we do. I uh, had a conversation with a young lady. Okay, conversations via text. But um, who was in my youth group in Carthage when I was doing youth ministry. And she said, I have been sorely disappointed by the church. Um, and she went into some detail and some things. But the thing that she came back to that did my heart so much good was that, but it doesn't matter. Um, I am, I'm still a part of the church. You know, I was giving her the, okay, the church is the bride of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. Whether we like it or not, no matter, no matter how fat I get or how skinny Matt Davis is, it does not matter. We are still the bride of Christ. And that's how God intended it. She goes on and she says, I'm, I'm still staying in the church. I want to be a part of the church. But the thing that's kept me keeping on is that I've been able to share hope and grace with co-workers. And she's gone back to school and people I'm going to school with about Jesus. And so I ask, what? Why? Why, what, what are, because she's very timid, very shy. Why? And she said, I don't have to start the conversations. They do. Because the world we live in is hopeless. They do not share as spirit-filled, baptized believers. What we have is so incredibly different than what the world has. So as we look into this history, as we look into this, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. 
For all of you Bible scholars, Don, Lisa, you guys know what that is. It's the hall of faith. This is people, these are people that God thought were so important. And you could, I could go back and I could tell you some of the bad things. That's, I don't know why, but that, my memory is triggered by bad things. Um, if I remember you, it's because I remember something bad you did. Not that I hold it against you or don't forgive you. It's just that's how I remember who you are. So you look at these people and, and you realize some of the bad things. I'm going to start at verse 1. This, okay, the dictionary definition of faith is, um, oh, let's see. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You know, we all have faith. Everybody has faith. Whether you're, whether you're an atheist or a believer or not, you have faith in something. Maybe it's faith in science or faith in reincarnation or whatever it is. You have faith in, in that whatever particular thing it is. But this, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us a biblical definition of the word faith. Faith, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Hang on to that. In days of old... People of faith gained a good reputation. What's your reputation? Check yourself. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead... He still speaks to us by example of faith. He still speaks to us, grandparents. He still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. One of my favorite stories ever. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone... Who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. I just want to linger on Noah. Okay, it said, it said in that passage in Hebrews that Noah experienced things that had never been experienced before. Okay, there's, there's all kinds of different philosophies of what that actually means. I'm going to throw a couple out. I want to get deep in that. I want to throw a couple up. Some people believe that it never rained. Okay, and there's, there's some backing for that. If you get into creation, creation science, there's backing for that. There's a firm around the world. It never rained. All of a sudden, it rained the torrents. Understand the flood of Noah wasn't 40 days, just 40 days of rain. Okay. The ground burst open. Water shot out of, the, out of the ground. And it rained for 40 days. Okay, understand how cataclysmic that that flood was. The flood and how important it is. If you ask any third grader about Noah, you're going to have to go a long way to find a third grader that doesn't know something about Noah and this big boat. The movie of Noah. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was biblically, historically, horribly inaccurate. But you know the cool thing is? There's this, I am, 
I am absolutely obsessed, hooked on. If they took it off the app store, I'd probably just dock. The Bible app on version. okay? I use it all the time. The highest, no, since 2008 when the app stores rolled out and, and version was on there, the highest number of downloads of the Bible app were when Hollywood made a movie about the Bible. No matter how bad they screwed it up, it didn't matter. Those were the highest spikes of downloads of the Bible. You know what? If it takes Hollywood making a dumb movie that's wrong to get people to download and read God's Word, I'm all about it. Whatever, that, whatever it takes. And unfortunately, it condemns us slightly as the church. Because when we sit back and we judge Hollywood's version of Noah, what we're saying is... They screwed it all up. All these people are believing that. Shame on us. Shame on us for not going to the world and teaching them the correct things about Noah. As we sit in our chairs and we do church like we think church should be instead of the way church was done in the New Testament. Um, and I say we, I mean we. Um, Noah in Hebrews is described as a man of faith. His faith led to obedience and to righteousness. I think those three things are tied very closely together. When I talk about this, uh, this young lady that, that, was, that texted me about her changes in life and what she was doing, it was her faith that opened itself up into obedience, that people around her took note and saw that and said, why? Why do you do the things that you do? Why don't you do the things that you don't do? And I don't want to get into a laundry list of stuff, but I'm just saying that when we live the kingdom life, that God uses that kingdom living to, to open up opportunities for us to share to other people. Genesis chapter 6. Let's go there. Um, Genesis 6. Um, Verse, let's start at verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. Okay, now that's twice. We saw it in Hebrews, which came after this. But in Genesis and Hebrews, Noah was a righteous man. So, let's open that up and say, Noah was a righteous person. Okay, I'm not trying to convolute the scripture, but... Noah was a righteous person. The people in your influence circles, would they call you a righteous person? If I went to your workplace, if I went to your classroom at school, if I went to the people who, I was talking to a guy about, about uh, rental houses and interviewing renters. You don't interview a renter and ask him for a reference for the place that they're living now. Because the place they're living now, that guy might want rid of them. Okay, so you might say something really good about them. What you do is you go back a couple and you ask, how good were they? How good would the people say that you are? Who would your, who would your influenced people, how would they describe you? The only blameless person living on earth at that time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. You know, at communion time, we examine ourselves in light of Jesus. As we examine ourselves, 
Are we in close fellowship with God? Do our actions, do our words, how we treat people, what we do with our resources, all of those things, do those communicate that we are walking close with God? Because kingdom living involves walking close to God, continually day by day to continue to try to walk closer to God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Sound remotely familiar. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. Make the boat, listen to these dimensions. Make the boat 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife, your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal and a male and female into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. So Noah did everything as God had commanded him. Noah is walking in close fellowship with God, obviously. Because, think about what he did. Okay, if, if, you, if you want to follow the teaching that it had never rained on the earth, think about that. He built a giant boat in a place where it never rained. Okay, if you don't want to buy into that, you can, at the minimum, it's in the Middle East. You know anything about the Middle East? Not much water there, okay? Built this giant boat. Now, the magnitude of this boat, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, three stories. Can you imagine how long it took? You don't have to imagine. Because if you peruse the scriptures, you can come up with a relative idea. It took somewhere, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a stake at 75 years. You could argue that from... 45 or 50 to 100, but I'm going to say 75 years. For 75 years, this old dude and his three boys, I'm assuming his three boys helped him, kind of depends. If you have boys, you, you understand, you know where I'm coming from. He, they may or may, may or may not have helped. So he's building this boat. It doesn't say where he's to get the resources. It doesn't say that God provided the resources. We don't know that. That's Evidently not important to God because he didn't tell us that. So that leads us to maybe think, maybe he built this with his own money. Because God told him to. So step back. What's God told you to do? Please, please, please don't think nothing. Because you may not be close enough to God if that's the case. I'm going I'm to judge you on that one. 
What's God told you to do? When Jesus set the church in motion, in Matthew 28, He said, I want you to go and make disciples, teach, baptize, preach, baptize, and teach everywhere you go. Very, very simple instructions. And then the best part to me isn't that. The best part is in Acts. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Okay? His apostles knew better than anyone. Jesus says to them, Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give you the Matt Horan's Redneck translation. Holy Spirit's going to come. Wait on it. And then Jesus started flying through the air, is what the scripture says, that he took off. And these 11 dorks are standing there going, son of a gun. Remember, ain't nobody flying back then. They're watching Jesus fade into the clouds. They were so awestruck at that. God had to dispatch two angels to say, Hey, remember what he told you? He told you what to do. You need to preach, baptize, and teach as they're standing there going, like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. We got something to do. God gave them instruction on what to do. And those instructions remain today. So if you think God's not given you anything to do, not true, at a minimum, that should be a standing order. That should be, as the church, what we're about. So Noah's stuck on this boat. It rains. Water bursts forth from the ground. All this is going on to the point. 22 feet of water above the highest peak. That's a bunch of water. 22 feet above the highest peak. And again, you know, I would, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to. There's so much in this. There's so much about Noah and stuff that if you read and, and get into the, I get into details sometimes because I think the details are cool. Um, but if you start reading about this, 22 feet above the highest peak from all of this rain that rains and rains and rains and rains. Um, in this giant boat. They're out there floating around. Why? What? How? Can a guy stick to something for 75? I mean, it's tough. It's tough. You lead somebody to Jesus when they're 20. Them making it to the end of life with faith in God. It's hard as a parent to raise up a child and get them through college with faith in God. But this guy Noah, for 75 years, his faith remains the same. James chapter 2, verse 17. I'm just going to look up here, man. Uh, you see, faith by itself isn't enough. You can sit there and say, I got all the faith in the world. People know who I am by my actions. You just committed it on yourself. Faith isn't enough, action is required. Good deeds are required. It's part of the motion of faith. If you have faith that the brakes in your car are going to stop you, you might drive 
a little more aggressive. And you know when I push on that pedal, I'm going to stop. You have faith in that. You can say, man, I have all the faith. Okay, a funny story. I was helping a guy work on a car. And as we're working on we get it done. And I said, you want back? He goes, you want back that out? And he goes, he goes are, are, you, are you sure it's going to work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty confident. And, and he's like, okay, man, when I do something like that, okay. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that I had faith in what I had done, that it would work. This guy did not have faith in things that he had done in the past and was going to try it. Try your faith out. God gives us the license to do that. Try your faith. Give. You know, it happens a lot. Faith promise rallies. Well, people are asking for money. I have a very different philosophy about asking for money than most people. Um, went to a conference one time, had a guy tell me, we talked about giving. And I'll say this, in the end, I firmly believe that giving is a spiritual gift. And I have zero problem looking somebody eye to eye who I know has strong wherewithal. And in our situation at Carville Christian, um, I know what people give. Doesn't, I, I can handle that information without it going awry. But I don't have any problem with talking to people about money. Because it's the same thing to me. Would you have a problem with asking somebody to teach Sunday school? I mean, Sarah Walsh is a school teacher. She's going to kill it as a teacher because that's what she does. Okay? If there are people who have the gift to give, they should give. And sometimes we have to push people in their discipleship process to do what God has called them to do, like Noah. Faith without deeds is dead. So the storm. The storm happens. The rain falls. It's crazy. May 22nd, 2011 has probably no meaning to you guys. Uh, to us in southwest Missouri, it has huge meaning. That's when we had an EF5 tornado. And it absolutely destroyed a giant swath right through the middle of Joplin. Um, Teresa and I had been through some of that before. We lived in Florida when, I don't know, maybe it's me. But we lived in Florida when one year there were three hurricanes that crossed where we lived. I've seen some destruction. But that EF5 and Hurricane Charlie, Hurricane Katrina for that matter, doesn't hold a candle. And that's a spring shower compared to what Noah and his family experienced what they saw, what happened around them as all of the rain and the waters bursted from the ground and what they saw. So they're cooped up in this boat. 40 days it rains, it stops raining. So now they're floating on a giant ocean. Again, and in somewhere around 12, 13 months, it starts to dry out. Starts sending birds out. Birds coming back with signs that things are better. Noah finally pops a peek out the window and says, oh my gosh, the ground's drying out. You know what Matt Horenza would have done? I'd have been out of the boat. Ground's starting to dry up. Let's go. Probably would have marred into my waist in the mud. Not Noah. Noah stayed in the boat. If we go on, let's go on from, let's go to chapter 8. Of Genesis and look at the backside.
God said to Noah, leave the boat. It's chapter uh, 8, 15. God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you, your wife, your sons, and your wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurl on the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. Speaking of animals scurrying along the ground, we went down on Horseshoe Bend last night. What is the deal with, with groundhogs around here? Gee, many Christmas. We saw like 11 groundhogs last night. It was crazy. Anyway, so Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things. And then remember that third grader that we asked about who Noah was? That third grader is going to know about this too. Then what happened? Rainbow. So, Noah comes out of the boat. I want you to think with me. He was a human being with family. He's stuck in this boat with a bunch of animals for a year, 15 months-ish. Do you think Noah, and I can't say his wife's name, um, do you think they would have... A whole lot of compassion for us and what we've experienced when we've been quarantined by COVID. You know what I think Noah would say? Grow up. You have not seen anything. That's nothing. Oh, wait, that store requires you to wear a mask? That is nothing. Put the mask on and go in the store. You haven't seen anything yet. Compared to what I have seen. Noah might say that. He might not. He might be too nice a guy. But I would say that if I was Noah. Um, the ground's dried out. Noah comes out. Creates a sacrifice. And barbecue really was started right there. That is my banner thing for barbecue. Barbecue is from God. Right there. It was a pleasing aroma to God. It says right in the scripture. Faith caused Noah to obey and that obedience saved all of mankind. So what does that do for us today? What that's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can, you can read that Bible story and maybe you can pick some out of there, whatever. So I've, I've, I've three, three categories I want to put all of us in. We all will fit in one of these categories. The first category is this. This morning, if you're a Christian, now let me define that as I'm going to use the term, okay? Because that's a pretty smeared term. Christian. According to the New Testament, the way I believe it is that it means that you've had faith in Jesus, you've repented of your sins, you've been baptized, and you're walking with Jesus. Okay, that's, what, that's my definition. So, if you're a Christian, faith creates obedience. Maybe you're convicted. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I should be walking closer to Jesus. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, maybe there's something that you should do. Maybe... Maybe you should understand this gift of giving. Maybe you ought to start writing a check or two. Maybe, maybe you're not doing something that you, that you ought to be doing in the church. Maybe you're not volunteering where you should be. 
don't know who the guy was playing bass. Just for the record, I'm pretty sure I was the first guy to play bass in a worship service in this building. I'm pretty sure. Bless her heart. Poor Pat McKinley was trying to play piano and teach me. It was awful for her. Um, but anyway, maybe that's something you need to learn to do. This congregation has historically raised people up to do what God has called us to do, and that's to go do ministry, whatever that looks like. doesn't mean, I want to be honest, I'm not the guy who's going to say that full-time ministry is a higher calling because that's baloney. Tyler mentioned 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that we have spiritual gifts that are all equal. They're all equal. Vocational ministry, okay. really bugs me when I go to move and they, and they make a big deal about that. Yeah, I'm in vocational ministry, but you know what? I've got friends that are CPAs, garbage truck drivers. I don't know what your elders do for a living. I'm not sure I know who the elders are now. But anyway, we only have one elder that's a vocational minister. So you're saying your eldership aren't called to what God called them to, or they're on a lower calling. That's baloney. Okay? God has called all of us to do something that we, individually, are the only ones who are capable of doing. Get that. No matter what it is, you are the only one capable of doing that. This morning, if you're a Christian, maybe that's what God's calling you to. Maybe he's calling you to that next level. Or maybe, maybe this morning, the second thing, and maybe the second group is, this morning, if, if you're a Christian, maybe you need purpose. Maybe you're wandering a little bit aimless, you know, and, okay, I said I didn't know who the elders are. I did see one elder on there, had a little star by it. Clyde Cole, Sonny Ferris. He and I go way back. <laughs> I got some stuff <laughs> on old Sonny. But I'll hang on to it uh, <clears throat> until some money comes in. Uh, but when I look at purpose, I remember different spots in my life and going, okay, I'm doing this. If you're comfortable, not sure you have purpose. Purpose causes some stretch, some strain. Maybe your purpose is God has put on your heart some kind of ministry. It's not your paid ministerial staff's job to set ministries up so you can run them or do them or whatever. That's not their job. Their job is to teach you how to go do ministry. Maybe you have an angst. I, okay, it's a cool story. I don't know where I'm at on time. I'm probably running out of time. Um, so I meet this guy. I do I have an iron shop, I do iron work. And I go in the shop, get some metal broke, and while I'm there, I see this guy and I recognize him. Now here's the real downside. Our church, God has done amazing things at Carville Christian Church. When I went there in 2009, we had about 350 people. I'm gonna back up. Pre-COVID, we have like 1,200 now. It's an incredible thing with the exception. I walk into Walmart and I see somebody has a shirt on that says Carville Christian Church on it, and I cringe because I don't know him. And I hate that because I'm a small town guy. I hate that. But I meet this guy in this iron shop. He goes, hey, there's one of the Carville guys. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea who he is. None. So I'm like, hey, man. And uh, so anyway, then the next Sunday, I bump into him, recognize him, had enough sense to go, hey, man. I said, and I have forgotten your wife's name. <laughs> because he told me his name was Rob. I go to our database. There's 17 Robs. I'm like, crud. But he told me his wife's name, and then I was able to correlate the two. I asked him to go to lunch with me one day, because he says he's involved in a ministry. 
Okay, that's cool. I'd love to know about it. So we go to lunch one day. We're at this Mexican place, and this guy, clean cut, um, comes to church every Sunday, sitting across me at this Mexican place, looks me straight in the eye, says, I'm involved in a prison ministry. Oh, really? That's cool. So how did you get into that? I served 19 years and seven months for first degree murder. Okay, I'm a pretty solid poker face. You don't poker face that one, okay? I said, 19 years and seven. He goes, yeah. He said, when I was 19 years old, me and two other guys robbed a liquor store, and one of the guys shot and killed the clerk. He said, I didn't have enough sense to know that when you're involved in that, you go down for first-degree murder. And he said, I didn't plea bargain because I thought I'd be found innocent. So now he met Jesus in prison. Praise God for that 20 years. I don't remember what's going with that. His purpose was to be involved in this ministry for guys who are getting out to start teaching them how to budget, teaching them how to be dads, teaching them how to be husbands. Guys who've, who've named Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but for him to teach them. Okay. 19 years and seven months for first degree murder. The walls will fall in if I come to church. I'm going to say he's the wall dropper guy, okay? Walls did not fall in. The third group, and here's where I'm going to end. This morning, maybe you're sitting there, and you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. You're at church for who knows what. The very first, most important thing of faith is the faith that causes you to say, I do believe in Jesus. I want him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to turn away from the bad things that I do. And then in 1 Peter, there's another correlation about it. No, it talks about the waters of baptism. That those waters save you today as they save Noah. Remember he's in a boat? Isn't that weird and cool? How the water saved because he was able to float above the water. If that is... Where you're at today, then I assume we're going to sing a song, are we? Are we going to sing a song, Tyler? Okay. If you would stand up with me, I want to pray. And I don't know where you're at today. I'm going to ask you though. You're in one of those three groups. Are you? you you're, and you're going to decide. You're going to walk out of here deciding. Nope, I'm cool with being lethargic. Yep, I'm on board. I'm doing what I ought to be doing. Fantastic. I have purpose moving forward. Or and this, is, this pains me, you're going to walk out of here lost and you're not going to put your faith in Jesus. That's my biggest fear because God has given me the opportunity to share this with you and this guy. So I'm going to pray. And if that's your decision today, man, that would be awesome. Um, I'll tell you, when I got baptized in that water, it was February in 1977. And that water was freezing cold. They could not have put ice in it, made it any colder. But I bet you today the water's warm. I bet you it doesn't matter a bit whether it's warm or cold because that water's right. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you for the saving grace, Lord, that we have in Jesus. Lord, thank you for him, Lord, for in that supernatural way, creating yourself in a man to save us. Lord, I pray this morning that we wouldn't walk out of here not knowing Jesus is our Lord and Savior. I pray this morning you'd bless these people to do the things that you've called us to do as we live out our kingdom lives. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.